Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the Robcast. This is episode 168, and this one is called The One About Boundaries, because this episode is the one about boundaries. <laughs> and you know I love a good title, uh, but The One About Boundaries I am uh, brings me a particular level of joy, um, because in a couple of episodes ago, I mentioned as an aside, you know, I probably should do an episode on boundaries, and a number of you grabbed hold of that. You were like, wait, 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 don't throw that out and not do that. Um, and it's also interesting because of uh, traveling around and meeting so many of you, how many people have questions about boundaries. And by boundaries, I mean, what do you do with awkward, tense, toxic, draining, dysfunctional relationships? What do you do with people who take shots, dig slights at you? How, how do you uh, think about interactions that don't bring life? but drain you. Um, it feels like a chunk of you got taken out because of that interaction. How, how do you think about all this? And are there new ways to think about this? And so that's what we're going to do in this episode. Um, I want to talk about boundaries and what they are and how it works. And we'll cover cover uh, all sorts of territory. Uh, a couple details real quickly. Next Largo show, November 18th. What I loved, by the way, about the last Largo show, which is what, which was my favorite one yet, was how many of you Robcast folks came from all over. We had a little uh, Switzerland. Um, we had some Croatia in the house. We had some, like, you people, you're fantastic. You traveled some miles. So um, next Largo is 18th of November. And then uh, my Nashville two-day event is mid-November. And uh, in this one, I will be talking about growth, change, expansion, atoms, molecules, how we think about wonder and awe. Um, I want to talk about the polarization that appears to be greater than ever. Is it? Are we more divided than ever? Or is this normal? And is are there factors? Are there spiritual reasons why things are unfolding the way that they are? And how do you keep going? How do you keep a firm center when perhaps you're seeing things the people around you aren't? Um, what does growth, maturity, expansion, enlightenment look like in the new world we find ourselves in? And uh, these two-day events, whew, I know, I know. I'm smiling already at, at the Nashville one. And there are a couple of spots still available for that. And then uh, there are I, three or four, I think, spots available for the November Something to Say workshop, which is for communicators. Uh, it's for people who speak, write, who have things they want to say. Perhaps you lead some group and as a regular occurrence, you're supposed to say something meaningful or profound or insightful. And you're like, how does this work? Um, so what happens is you bring whatever you're working on and then we get you unstuck. And, uh, I show you some ways to think about it. And, um, the last one, oh my word. So I don't know what to say. But um, would love, just so rewarding, so satisfying, and to meet so many of you and hear the work that you're doing and uh, to see you challenging each other. It's amazing. So that, that workshop uh, has a couple of spots available. That's in November as well. A couple things going on. Now, let's talk about boundaries. Uh, and let me say first off just a couple of really basic disclaimers just a sort of duh, obvious, Captain Obvious will now speak. <laughs> uh, 
a couple of things that are true about boundaries that it's just important, especially if this is a new idea to you. First off, there are pros in this. So I'm going to give you a few things to think about, but let me just say up front, there are like pros, people who are trained at this, people who have studied this um, at an expansive level, people who have degrees in this sort of thing. Um, There are therapists, counselors, um, pastors, priests, rabbis, gurus, life coaches, like there, there is a world of experts in this, a body of knowledge, a tribe of wisdom. Um, And I cannot recommend enough going and finding someone, whether it's a spiritual director, whether it's a class. Um, If you have people in your life, toxic, dangerous, draining, dysfunctional, every time you step into their orbit, you know you're going to take a couple of, it's going to take a couple of days to get those pieces off of you. We'll talk about that in a little bit, by the way. Um, Part of it is your true self is telling you, hey, we need to do some work on this. So uh, I cannot recommend enough finding someone. Ask around. Um, There's a book called Boundaries written by Dr. Cloud and Townsend, uh, absolutely wonderful psychologists who wrote this book a while ago. And I think it sold like 4 million copies or something. So um, that book has helped so many people. It's literally called Boundaries, um, which leads to a second thought. This is totally normal. If you find yourself thinking, why is that particular relationship so draining? How is that... How is that interaction with that person? It feels like it just directly pulls life out of my soul. Um, Maybe you're in some setting where you can't avoid a particular encounter and it's just tearing you to pieces, but the idea that you would have boundaries or that you wouldn't have to take that or put up with that or that you could limit contact is a brand new idea. Uh, This is totally normal. It's totally normal. And it's actually sometimes a sign of growth that suddenly you wake up and realize, I don't have to take it. I don't, this doesn't have to be this way. So remember, anytime you move from disempowerment to empowerment, from despair to hope, things may actually at that moment get difficult. Because before you just went with it, I guess this is how it is. We'll talk about that in a minute, by the way. Uh, There sometimes can be like, well, I know, but so-and-so's my, and then you name some significant relation they are to you. So I guess I'm just supposed to deal with it. I guess I'm just supposed to take it from them. Excuse me. Um, And then suddenly you wake up and you're like, wait, maybe I don't. What am I doing here? Um, And then you set out to try and figure it out. Maybe you've, uh, I specifically want to say to those of you who are in an environment where this is not talked about, um, where you just receive, being on the receiving end of endless, uh, digs, slights, maybe even like toxic behavior that sort of spills over onto you. Maybe you're in an environment where that's just totally normal. Um, Part of spiritual growth is growing a spine and getting the sight and awareness to realize, wait, this is not good. This is not right. I don't have to participate in this. And now you got to figure it out. And that takes a while. And it's totally normal if at first you're overwhelmed because you're like, I don't even, the thought of having, the thought of something changing between me and -and so-and-so would be so disruptive. They would never get it. Um, The amount of heat I would take if I limited contact. Yeah. Yeah. It may on the front end be a little 
unnerving. It might be terrifying. It might be uh, like a giant, ambiguous hairball of doubt and fear. Yep, yep. And yet, it's your path. And so you do the work. And I should say again, which you've heard me say often, that's like a muscle. And boundaries are like building up a muscle. And at first, uh, you might be a bit winded. Uh, at first, you might be a little sore the next morning because you're building up the muscle. Um, and so uh, in this episode, I want to give you some ways to think about this so that you can do the work. Um, because we would never want to rob you of the sweat and the difficulty of doing the work. Because when we do the work, that's uh, when things get shaped in us and things get formed in us. So uh, those are a few sort of obvious things up front, but just in case this is all sort of a new discussion, because what I have noticed is how many people, their question will be, uh, there's this person in my life, they treat me this way, it's been this way for a number of years, and it's as if the person in their question is suddenly going, but now I'm starting to wonder, does it, ha does it have to be this way? Something about this doesn't seem right. Yeah, sometimes it begins that way. Something within you says, do I really have to put up with this? Like, is this, is this just, I guess, how it is? Or could I change things here? Um, and that can be a revelation, but it can also be quite startling and unnerving. And if you have any of those sort of responses, once again, totally normal. Now, uh, I want to give you two big ideas, and then we'll move to a series of questions. Um, but it's important to ground the idea of boundaries. It can easily become a very squishy, sort of egocentric, oh, me, and I don't want to be hurt, and oh, which is totally legit. But I want to make sure we ground this in deeper spiritual truths about who you are and what you're doing here, so that any discussion of boundaries will be properly grounded and centered. So I begin uh, in the beginning. Lots of things for me begin in the poem that begins the Bible in Genesis. It sort of, it grounds me and it gives me a path and a way of thinking about things. But in Genesis 1, the poem, human beings, uh, human beings reflect the divine image. Human beings created in the image of the divine being, male and female. There's a sacred masculine and a sacred feminine. By the way, we need to talk about the sacred feminine. We'll talk about that at some point, future episode. But you have this beautiful image of human beings bearing a divine image, re uh, reflecting a divine image, uh, carrying the divine spark. Some traditions talk about a spark, uh, a, a God spark that that every human being is uh, a container for. Um, however you think about this, there is this divine image present in every human being. And you respect it, and you honor it, and you protect it. And so when you see injustice, when you see somebody wounded, abused, when you see somebody powerful exploiting somebody vulnerable, whether it's for gain, labor, sexually, something within you says that's not right. If you begin with a divine image, something within you knows that this divine spark is to be respected, protected, and honored, and that 
when that is assaulted, when it is threatened, it is not just something done to that person, but it's done to each of us. Are you, are you with me on this? That when we hear about great injustice done to a, a group of people, when uh, we hear about violence done to an individual who is defenseless, vulnerable, or weak, the reason why this does something within us, something within us shakes, it reverberates, it resonates with that's not right, that's not right, is uh, if the divine is one and we each bear the image of the divine, then beneath all the division, all the difference, all the distinctions, there is a unity, there is a seamless integrated unity that affects everything. Uh, I mean, there's an uh, ancient rabbis talked about uh, the killing of one person is the, essentially the killing of us all, that there is a connection between all life. So the reason why this is so important, or here's an image. Let's, let's start there then. Here's an image. You know that thing that happens when you're at a birthday party and everybody's gathered around the table and over in the kitchen area, somebody gets out a birthday cake. Hopefully they're trying to surprise the person whose birthday it is. And they light all the candles on the birthday cake. And then somebody begins singing, happy birthday. And everybody joins in instantly with happy birthday. And then the person lifts the birthday cake off the counter and they start walking it towards the table because they're going to set it in the middle of the table. Then you're going to finish happy birthday. Then the person's going to close their eyes, make a wish, and they're going to blow out the candles. But there's this moment when they pick up the birthday cake and they begin to carry it. And what do they do with the hand that's not carrying the birthday cake? As they begin to walk, they take the hand and they place it over top of the birthday cake to protect the candles. You, you picture this, right? You with me on this? There is this instinctive move to protect this flame. And it's done like instantly. And they do that because they don't want the flame to go out. So this flame is incredibly robust and yet it's hot and yet it's also fragile. It's strong, yet it's also shaky. It could burn down the house and yet it's just sort of hovering there. Uh, there is limitless possibility in that flame and yet it must be carefully guarded. So when we think about you and the divine image that you bear, there is this reflective instinct to respect it, honor it, and protect it. And the reason why I give you this image is if you want to be the kind of person who stands up for others, if you want to be the kind of person who helps make a better world, if you want to be a... Uh, an empathetic, compassionate person who moves to bring healing to others, you begin by respecting the divine image in yourself. Because if you do not protect it, honor it, and respect it in yourself, you're going to have far less energy and far less compassion, and you're going to be much less aware of 
how to move to protect and respect and honor it in others. So let's begin there. So when somebody tells me, or they, t- they say a question, but the question begins with a bit of biography and they tell a story about how they're in some relationship with somebody who just assaults their honor and dignity, who says horrific things, who just constantly nags at them and takes digs and slights and questions their goodness, their faith, their motivations, their morality, their sanity, whatever it is. Um, the base note in that question, it may be a question about how do I relate to so-and-so? What boundaries should I have? But the base note is, a need to respect, protect, and honor the divine image in everyone, and that begins with you and me. Now, the reason why uh, I begin there is because then we move to what's the purpose of that. It's not just all about us. It's about each of us and these divine energies we've been given for the ongoing creation of the world. Uh, It's as if the story is, here you are, you're breathing. Uh, You're in this beautiful, heartbreaking, exotic, broken world. Now, what do you want to do? What kind of new world do you want to create? Who needs healing? Who needs help? What needs to be designed? What needs to be built? What kids need to be launched into the world? What new businesses? What education? Um, how do we protect the rule of law? What, what do we need in healthcare? Like, what are you going to do? What's your? Th- how are you going to give your energies to the ongoing creation and healing of the world? And so when we talk about the divine image as it resides in each one of us, we're here and we get to make a new kind of world. We get to participate in the ongoing creation of the world. By the way, side note, This is why some of the modern political correctness makes you roll your eyes. Now, there is a good thing that's happening, which is a sensitivity to language. Language is incredibly important, and how we talk can be incredibly insensitive and offensive and damaging and destructive. But I know you have seen, especially recently, all sorts of examples of like politically correct talk just going loopy, where you're like, I used to be on board, and now I just think y'all are crazy. Um, It's because when the larger issues of how we interact with each other, it never gets beyond whether or not I'm hurt or offended, which is incredibly important. But if I'm simply the end of all of it, whether that term didn't make me feel safe, whether I felt like that was an aggression against me because you happen to use that phrase, which means this to this person, language is incredibly important. Some language is unbelievably destructive. We have to be sensitive to all these things. Nevertheless, the reason why sometimes you roll your eyes is it's rooted in nothing bigger than the ego. And the reason why we root the divine image in each of us is because we move from who we are to this gift we've been given of life and energy and breath. And now we get to move in the world to help others to give ourselves in loving service to the healing and repair of the world. And when it's not rooted in anything larger than the self, then you end up with what sounds like just immature kids calling each other names. Are you with me on this? Come on, raise your glass, so good. But in the story that we're in, 
we need 100% of you. We need 100% of you. We need all your best energies given to helping because we need all of us. And you are the ultimate steward of you. You are the ultimate steward of your energies. You've been given this gift and there's a responsibility to care for it well. And the reason why this is so unbelievably vital is if you are constantly allowing yourself to be in positions where others can take chunks and pieces out of you, where uh, perhaps you're in a setting where people who would call themselves family, friends, colleagues, partners, actually tear you down, then we're not getting the full 100% of you. It's not good stewardship of the gift that is you. And so the boundaries issue is tied up in how we live and move and being, which is tied up in how we see ourselves. And if you see, well, I guess I'm just supposed to take it. I guess I'm just supposed to turn the other cheek. Total misunderstanding of that passage. The, well, I guess, you know, so-and-so just shreds me to pieces, but, you know, I, I guess I'm just supposed to bear it. This kind of response is reflective of how you understand who you are, and it's a low view of self, which means it's a low view of the image of God that you bear. You see what I'm saying here? And what we need to do is heal that wound because we need 100% of you. We need you alive and vital and overflowing. If you're teaching school, if you're raising kids, if you're trying to build a business, if you're working in some bureaucracy and it just needs some life and it needs some hope and it needs some goodness in it, we need the 100% of you. And if you are involved in significant relationships that are draining you before you ever get to the gift that you are to us, that's an issue of how you steward this sacred gift. So now, those are a couple thoughts. Let's, let's call this a segue. Let's move into a couple questions then to ask, a very couple very practical questions you can ask yourself. And once again, you probably got to work this out with a pro or some experts or some friends or some people you deeply trust. This all takes them all, but here are a couple thoughts and a couple questions you can ask to get yourself thinking about boundaries um, in maybe some better ways. First off, what does this do to me? This question alone, if you find yourself asking questions about a particular relationship, just ask, what does this do to me? Interview yourself. <laughs> That'd be a good t-shirt, by the way. Interview yourself. Um, what does this do to me? What does this dynamic, this relationship, this setting, this what calls itself a friendship, but I'm beginning to wonder if this is actually a friend because if a friend can't celebrate who you are, uh, then they can't be your friend. So a couple questions within what does this do to me? How long does it take me to get back to zero after I've been in that setting or with that person? And by back to zero, what I mean is that's the starting place. How long after I've been with this person does it take me to work through all of the stuff that came my way because of them to get back to zero so I can actually do my work? Or think about it in this sense. How long does it take me to detox from that interaction? How long does it take me to process it out? How long, here's another phrase that helps me. How long after I've been in that setting or with that person does it take me to flush out the toxins that I 
inevitably pick up. Perhaps you have somebody in your life who has the supernatural ability to say things to you, digs, slights, cuts, judgments. They have the ability to say things to you that lodge in your frontal cortex like a Katy Perry melody. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Do you, do you have anybody who they somehow know how to say something and three days later you're still replaying it? Um, they know how to get under your skin. My friend Liz Gilbert says the, the reason why your family knows how to push your buttons is because they're the ones who installed them. <laughs> I don't know where she got that. I'm assuming she came up with it because she's brilliant like that. But uh, if you have this sort of thing in your life, um, what does it do to you? And uh, it's important to be incredibly honest. So think about the person who says, well, you know, it's all in good fun. Or maybe it's the thing that you tell yourself about that relationship. Well, you know, it's all in good fun. If it's all in good fun, then why do you lose sleep, sleep over it? And why, when you're going to see that person again, are you already bracing yourself? And why, two days later, are you still bothered by it, if it's all in good fun? Or, well, you know, they mean no harm. Well, yeah, but if you've been harmed repeatedly, then them meaning no harm isn't really the issue, is it? Um, or how about this voice? Maybe something within you says, I just need to be tougher and stronger. If I, uh, I just need to be tougher and stronger. Uh, maybe you do need to be tougher and stronger, but it also doesn't necessarily mean that you need to put up with this and continually put yourself in this situation. So sometimes the, the first thing to do is simply to interview yourself um, for some reason you're thinking about it, and for some reason you're thinking about that person in relation to boundaries, maybe as you're listening to this right now, what does this do to me? And then simply ask yourself, uh, is this good stewardship? Is this good stewardship of my energies? Uh, how does this affect the divine spark that resides within me? <laughs> um, does this help me uh, shield the candle? Or... Uh, does this at some level drain and threaten uh, and wound the very primal life force that sort of flickers within me? It's fairly dramatic language, but you're with me on this. Uh, and sometimes what I've noticed is you just ask somebody a couple of these questions and they're like, oh, it just, they'll start with, well, you know, it's just all in good fun. And then, and then one minute later they're saying, oh, it actually sucks the life out of me and makes me hate my life. Okay, okay, now we're being honest. Now we're being honest. Now, um, what does this do to me can be followed quickly by uh, another question, which is, what is this? What, what is this? Because here's what happens often, is toxic, destructive relationships masquerade as something they're not. Friendship partnership, uh, family, um, and it's not. And well, you know, we just iron sharpens iron. This, if this is iron sharpens iron, I don't want to be iron. <laughs> so sometimes what happens is something that is actually destructive for your soul and well-being announces itself as something else. Sometimes it announces itself as loyalty. And so as soon as you establish any boundaries... 
than your loyalty is calling you. You're disloyal. Or duty. Uh, this is just this is just the right thing to do. Uh, or obligation. Or the one that is will absolutely kneecap you. Well, I, I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to show up there. I'm supposed to put myself in that environment. Uh, I'm supposed to. So, so I would just begin with, who made those rules? Who made those rules? Who decided that, that you putting up with that is somehow a determination of whether or not you're loyal? Uh, because you may be loyal to those people, and in the process, you would become extremely disloyal to who you are and what you're here to do. Um, that is killing you and robbing you of precious energy and life so that a group of people will still call you loyal when, in fact, you have abandoned who you are and what you're here to do. Uh, duty, obligation, well, I guess I'm supposed to. Who made these rules? Did you sign a contract somewhere that we're not aware of? Did you agree to this? Because oftentimes people will, will try and convince you that somehow you, uh, well, you're supposed to go through with this you, I mean, you don't agree to this. I didn't agree to these. I didn't agree to be treated like this. <laughs> Where did this come from? Uh, sometimes, especially like maybe a friend who's been around for a while or a family member, they are absolutely lethal to your spirit. And yet they announce themselves as a friend or family. This is, by the way, can be completely heartbreaking. I've watched people just gush tears when suddenly they realized, oh, that person just destroys my soul and they call themselves my friend. Um, it can be very disorienting. And so sometimes on the front end of this, it's traumatizing and yet it's true. And my friends, we're about the truth. Um, so sometimes you just have to ask, what is this? And you realize it's been pretending to be one thing, and it's not that. It's something else. Now, third question. How long, when I'm with this person, can I hold on to myself? I'll never forget. How long can I hold on to myself in interactions with this person or group of people or setting or event before I can't hold on to myself any longer. Do you know that feeling when you leave and you realize, oh, partway through I just, I, I, I started saying this, I fell back into those patterns, uh, I became defensive when I swore on the front end, don't get defensive no matter what they say. Whatever you do, if they provoke you, don't get into that like mud fighting that you always, that mud fighting, mud slinging, mud slinging that you always do. You, know, you ever have that sense where you left, you leave the interaction, you're like, I told myself. You often see this with people with their ex. They're like, you're going to see your ex. There's, there's going to be just landmines everywhere. Whatever you do, stay calm. They're going to try and push your buttons. They're going to poke and prod. Whatever you do, don't take the bait. Stay calm. And then 17 minutes in, they made their little comment. And then you just tried, and then you didn't hold the line, and you're in your car driving away like, I did it again, I let them get, or maybe it's at Thanksgiving, and you're like, I, <laughs> you're driving home from Thanksgiving going, Ugh, 
Uncle Larry, he dragged me in. He got all Fox News on me, and he dragged me into a political thing, and I didn't stay calm and cool. I didn't keep going to policy. I started getting into like this emotional thing. You know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, the first time I encountered this was, uh, well, it would have been 2001, so 16 years ago. I started going to this therapist, the great, legendary Dr. B. And uh, I remember I charged in on one of these questions about boundaries. And he walks over to this whiteboard that he had on the back of his door. And he writes the phrase self-differentiation. So he's a PhD, counselor, psychologist, therapist. He says, uh, self-differentiation. How long... Can you be in that environment and still hold on to yourself? And then he put his arms like he was hugging himself. And so that whatever the interaction was, or whatever I was bringing to him, we started discussing it. And, I, and it was one of those things where literally I was like, I can handle about 15 minutes of that interaction before. He's like, okay, 15 minutes. There's no shame in that. You can do 15 minutes. At 15 minutes then you're going to have to leave. <laughs> he made it so straightforward. And by the way, sometimes the baby steps will seem, in, sometimes the baby steps will seem incredibly obvious. Sometimes baby steps will seem incredibly mean. Maybe there's somebody who you realize I have to limit contact and your first thought will be, oh my word, what happened to my heart? What is it, what is it bound in barbed wire? What did I build a wall around my soul? How in the world am I ever going to have limits with that person. And it feels cruel and mean. It's not. You're just starting to be kind with yourself. And that is a counterintuitive impulse if you've allowed yourself to be walked all over for years. When you start taking care of yourself, one of the most interesting counterintuitive things is it will feel like you're being cruel and mean to the person, but you're not. You're just growing a spine. So uh, how long can I hold on to myself? And here's the truth about love. You can love some people from a distance. You can have limited contact with someone. Not because you're not a loving person, but because you're starting to become much more loving. Uh, you can have no contact with someone. And it's not because your heart has shut down or you're not compassionate. Uh, it's because you have to have boundaries with that person. And right now, you can't have contact. Maybe later. There are seasons. Maybe later. By the way, uh, what I've noticed is sometimes you have to have serious limits and boundaries and, and minimal to no contact. But what you will notice over time is you'll grow a spine. And whatever it is about them that set you off, you'll, uh, you'll make progress and you'll be able to interact. You, sometimes, sometimes. Sometimes you'll realize, oh, I could see them now and I'd be okay. But there was 24 years or three months or two weeks when you were like, nah, I need some distance. I need some distance. So the, the huge thing is you cannot beat yourself up over these things. No shame. Uh, I told uh, Kristen that, that I was doing this going to record this episode on the one, the one about boundaries. And I was talking about self-differentiation. She was, re we were remembering that time with the therapist and she's like, yeah, she's like, sometimes you can do 15 minutes. That's all you can do. 
no shame in that. Sometimes you can't do anything. No shame in that. And that was her like refrain. There's no shame in that. So the voice within you that wants to beat you up, that, that like wants to just sort of harangue you, you know, that inner voice that's like, why aren't you stronger? Why can't you? You should be able to handle it. You can't right now. It's fine. Acknowledge it. By the way, side note, side theological note. Let's uh, explore the religious impulse that often gets people into a mess. Um, and I guess the way I'd summarize it is, and I've seen this, uh, I swear to you, a thousand times. Sometimes people have a voice in their head that tells them, Jesus took a beating, so I guess I'm supposed to as well. Any of you know what I'm talking about? Hey, Jesus was crucified, so uh, I guess this person in my life who absolutely crushes my soul, I guess they're just my cross to bear. And so it becomes, first off, it's a complete misreading of the Jesus story, but it... uh it becomes this weird, twisted, perverse reading of nonviolence as I guess I'm supposed to take this violence that comes my way in words, actions, attitudes, uh, postures of the heart. I guess I'm just supposed to take this because uh, I guess the story is about all of us just taking a beating. Um, and no, 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 no. Uh, now, a couple things, side note, side note of a side note, tangent on a tangent. By the way, if you just read the Gospels, Jesus has incredibly strong boundaries. Man comes to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. By the way, Jesus wouldn't make those sort of legal, that's a legal question, so he wouldn't make those rulings. And Jesus says, man, who appointed me judge between you? By the way, I love the fact that the NIV version translates Jesus saying, man, <laughs> Man, who appointed me? I just love the picture. Man, who appointed me? Like it's the 70s. Man, um, my own personal enjoyment there. But what's interesting is the man comes and says, hey, teacher, get involved in the thing between me and my brother and tell him to. And Jesus is like, who appointed me, judge? It's not my job. I don't do that. Don't drag me into your stuff. What are you talking about? Uh, you have these lines where he's telling his disciples to go and keep spreading the, spreading the message of the kingdom. And hey, if that village right there rejects you, shake the dust off your feet. Like, don't do any more. Leave. Leave. Go. Get away from there. Uh, there's this great interaction between he and one of his disciples, Peter, the caffeinated disciple, um, who has some strong ideas about Jesus not going to Jerusalem because Jesus is going to confront a corrupt, entrenched, oppressive system. And as those systems do, they will do everything they can to silence him, and they ex ultimately execute him. And he says, but we're headed that way. And Peter's like, no, you're not. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And you can read that lots of different ways, but one of the ways is, um, no, I will not entertain those ideas. Keep them away from me, because there's work we have to do. We're headed this way. That voice, not helpful here, Peter. Um, and obviously, you can read these stories in lots of different ways, but one of the things you notice is this is not somebody who lets everybody walk all over him. So sometimes there's this weird religious spirit that can infect people, which is, I guess I'm just supposed to take it from so-and-so. No. And here's why. This is about you and your energies, the divine image that you bear. This is about you giving yourself to a new creation, which is very different than you taking shots so things can remain exactly as they are. Are you with me on this? 
sometimes a person is like, well, I guess this is just my cross to bear. And so what they're really saying is, I'm just supposed to passively accept this is how it is, which is saying, I do this and I put up with this so that things can remain exactly as they are. But the gospel invitation of Jesus is not a passive acceptance of how things are. It's you and I giving ourselves, which will involve cost. It will involve the Eucharist breaking of the body and pouring of the blood. It will demand all sorts of things of us because we will give ourselves so that things don't remain exactly as they are, but so that hopefully a new world bursts forth, maybe even through us, and things change. Oh, my word. Oh, I'm getting all like... Man, I'm, uh, see what I'm saying? That sometimes when someone says, well, you know, it's just difficult. It's just difficult, Rob, and you just have to put up with it because it's a cost. No. Sometimes what the person is saying is, I'm paying a cost so that things remain, so that everybody remains stuck in their sick dysfunction as always. That is not the invitation. The invitation is to give yourself, and it will be painful and bloody, but it is not to keep the system exactly as sick as it is, but it's so that through that cost, something new might burst forth. You can't avoid conflict, awkward interactions, draining people, unsettling interactions. Uh, We can't avoid this. And sometimes when you talk about boundaries, the immediate pushback is, well, it'd be nice to live in a world of... (laughs) cool, hip people who are all get it. (laughs) Where is that planet, by the way? Um, That you'll never... So sometimes there's a misunderstanding that boundaries are, how can you just keep eliminating all the difficult people till it's just you and all the cool people? I don't even know what, what planet that would be on or how that would happen. There is no way you can find yourself in some commune of perfect love and harmony. So these are always going to be coming your way. Um, And by the way, if you avoid every single difficult thing that comes your way, well, then another person will come your way to teach you whatever it is they're here to teach you. Everyone's your teacher. So uh, if we have a pattern of anytime things are difficult, we just walk away, then other people will come our way because the universe is tilted towards our growth. Um, And sometimes, well, there are a number of different postures. I would say this. Sometimes uh, a person comes our way and they're incredibly draining. They're dysfunctional. They're toxic. And something within us rises up. Like, all right, okay, this is the challenge. This is this week's, this month's, this year's challenge. I am going I am going to stay exactly as it is with them. Like we're going to keep the arrangement. I'm going to see them as much as I'm normally seeing them because this is, uh, this is the invitation. This is my challenge. This is my task. Maybe you work in an environment where the people are, incre- it is incredibly difficult and yet something within you is like, this is my path. I'm a, this is how we do it. Um, this is the invitation every day is to enter into this and... Figure it out and learn and let it shape me. Now, sometimes you have a very different voice speaking to your insides and it's leave. 
Get out now. Get out. You don't have to put up with this. Limited contact, distance, maybe no contact. Get away from that. That's what the boundary is. It's like get boundaries, get strong boundaries, get them right now, enforce them, bring other people in to help you enforce them, get uh, people who can like be sounding boards. Um, sometimes that's the response. And that's why in an episode like this, I'm very, uh, I'm sure you understand this, but I can talk about these things, but you have to work this out yourself because you never know. Sometimes the, inter- the, the proper response that you realize in that particular situation is, oh, this person is so draining. This person is so toxic. I need to essentially create some, you can almost call it like a psychic barrier. I need to know that going in, they're probably going to start lobbing things at me right away. So I just need to be aware of that. But I am, this is some sort of, there, I'm, there's something I'm to learn here. So I'm going to go in like armored up. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to go in like, I'm going to go in, I'm going to go in knowing that I better have a shield in my hand of some sort, whether they can see it or not. And I'm going to listen because there's something here for me. There's something here for me. But you can see in all of these responses, these are active versus not passive responses. And that's the thing behind the thing behind the thing is you have to move when you realize there's an issue here and you find yourself realizing, what are the boundaries here? The first thing to do somewhere in your spirit is you got to flip that switch from passive to active. Okay, I will no longer just take this as it is unquestioning. I will, I will no longer just swallow it whole like I guess this is how it is. I will move back. Now, the relationship may stay ex- in, on the externals the same way, but inside, I'm in a whole new posture. I'm listening I'm learning, I'm taking notes. I may at some point be like, I am out. Or I may at some point say, you know what? You can say that to me, but when you said that, no more. You may have to send the email that says, we've gone back and forth about this five times. I know where you stand. You know where I stand. Tell you what, if I ever change my mind, you'll be the first person I email. And do me the favor of, if you ever change your mind, please, would you allow me the dignity of sending me an email telling me you've changed your mind? But other than that, we are not going to discuss this anymore. So sometimes it's just, oh, I know what the boundary is here. And I just need to say clearly and firmly to them, I would be happy to talk with you about this. But, but uh, over here, we've already discussed this. We will not talk about that going forward. And that's fine. Maybe you need to say to some authority figure, some parental figure, uh, thank you for the advice you've given. I've listened. If I have questions in the future, I will ask you. Otherwise, for me and my family, I would greatly respect it if you would keep your opinions to yourself. If you continue to share your opinions, then we will have to limit our contact with you. Uh, Sometimes you end up in these, but that's all active. And sometimes you just realize so-and-so is crazy. They are completely (laughs) insane. Uh, And they are weirdly some gift to me. So I am going to observe them. I'm even going to ask. My prayer is going to be, help me enjoy their insanity. And you moved, you're in some completely different space. Once again, I'm trying to describe all of these different things that might come about. But all of them are rooted in an active posture rather than the passive, I guess I'm just supposed to take a beating. Um, two more thoughts. One on progress one on the paradox of boundaries. Progress. You know you're making progress when 
you come across a treatment, something somebody says to you, some situation, and you realize, two years ago, I would have put up with that. Or, man, 18 months ago, I wouldn't have said anything. Or, three years ago, I would have let them do that and continue to do that. And something within you is like, nope. No, this, no, this will not, we will not go forward like this. You know you're making progress when you realize that something you uh, wouldn't have said anything about, you now are like, oh, now I got to say something. Or you'll, it'll happen in the moment. Somebody will do something and you'll say, excuse me, but no, no, this is good. But that, no, I can't allow you to do that. And all of a sudden you're driving home and you walk in, you're walking back to your apartment. And you realize, oh my word, I never would have done that. I would have been terrified to create that boundary in the moment. And I just instinctively did it. Yeah, that's what happens. Uh, if you have a partner, spouse, uh, and you talk about these things, that's one of the things you'll notice first when you begin to have greater respect for the gift of life, for the divine image in you and in others, as your boundaries begin to reflect a greater respect for the flow of life as it moves through you and among you, um, you'll notice that your conversations, things that you used to not even notice, you're not only noticing, but you're like, nope, we do not participate in such things. <laughs> we would have participated in that, but now, nope, nope. And then one more, uh, one more thing to wrap this up. One of the things you will notice is as you get stronger and firmer and more clearly defined boundaries is you will discover that you become more loving. And uh, this took me a long time to realize, oh, when I first became aware of the need for boundaries, it felt sometimes mean. It felt like, can't you just endlessly give everybody everything they want and let them walk all over. No, sometimes it felt mean to say no. Sometimes it felt mean to limit contact. Sometimes it was like this weird, I know this is the right thing to do here, but ah, I don't want them, I don't want, first off, the ego is terrified of how it's going to appear. I don't want people to think I'm whatever. Um, but one of the things you'll notice, and, th and this, takes a, uh, this takes a serious passage of time, but you'll notice that the more you refuse to put up with certain things, the more you protect the vitality of life as it surges through you and those around you, you'll notice you're much quicker and sharper and more precise in creating boundaries around certain things and certain people and certain events and circum circumstances, but you will also notice uh, yourself becoming more embracing, more expansive, more loving. It's almost like you love yourself more and you will begin uh, to find yourself loving others more. And what often happens, especially, let's go back to that religious impulse. Jesus took a beating, so I guess I'm supposed to too. Oftentimes what happens is we develop this low-grade bitterness towards others. We, ref we don't have the spine or the boundaries to protect ourselves. And so people walk all over us. 
And so gradually we develop this low-grade bitterness towards others because we endure so much pain and wounding through them. But when you begin to say, no, you will not say those things to me or treat me this way. When you stick up for yourself, when you protect, when you place your hand over the candle, um, what you will notice in doing that is that you'll, you'll be much more likely to see the woundedness of the other person. You'll be much more likely to see them with compassion. You may be able to see them once a year for two minutes, but you will nevertheless oddly have way more compassion for them because you'll see why they do that. But you will find yourself, your heart will break more in all the right kinds of ways. Um, and that is the counterintuitive truth about boundaries is you refuse to participate in certain things. You refuse to allow people to treat you in certain ways. And in some weird way, you will find yourself caring more deeply for them. Now that may or may not lead to more contact, but you will find yourself, your heart, uh, you, you will find it wider and bigger and more expansive. Once again, one of the great mysteries, because the whole thing is undergirded by the great mystery. Well, my friends, I hope this helps. I hope this gives you some things to think about. Um, once again, there are pros who I, I cannot say it enough. I'll just say it again. Find a pro. Find somebody who can walk with this with you. Um, it is totally normal to always have some situation you're trying to figure out. It never goes away <laughs> because the whole thing is rigged for your growth. So um, there is no ideal, cool commune where all the people get it. It does not exist. This will never stop coming our way. And we'll have various reactions to various people and places, and that's totally normal. Um, but at the end, I just want to say this is not about you taking hits so things can remain exactly as they are. This is about each of us breaking ourselves open and pouring ourselves out for the creation of something new. And that is the one about boundaries. Grace and peace, my friends. <laughs>